This is Help Wanted, the show that tackles all the big work questions you cannot ask anyone else. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And I'm New York Times bestselling author and money expert, Nicole Lappin. The helpline is open. Burnout has really commanded the work culture zeitgeist over the last few years. But even though we're talking about it more, we haven't gotten very far on mitigating it. Last year, Deloitte conducted a survey with American workers from all different sectors and found that more than 77 percent had experienced burnout in their current job. Jason and I have both had our own battles with burnout, as I'm sure you have, too. Maybe you're feeling it right now. And if you are, we have a story that might just shift the way you think about your relationship with work. Lauren King, today's guest, told Jason a story about confronting her own burnout that Jason found so compelling that he wanted Lauren to tell it on the show. And the way Jason and Lauren started talking about this all begins with a really bizarre coincidence. Let's get into it. Lauren, welcome to Help Wanted. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited you're here. And also, meet Nicole. Hi. Hi, Nicole. Nice to meet you. I hear you guys have a meet cute. I can't wait to hear it. Yes. We do. Yes, it's fun. We have a great friend meet cute. Okay. And it overlaps, I didn't know until very recently when we actually met in person with a pretty incredible moment in your life or rather leading into one that's going to lead us into a really interesting conversation about burnout and figuring out what it is that you want. But before we get into those heavy things, let's talk about the light fun one, which is how I know you, which is the most random. So I lived in Massachusetts, which is where you live until 2008, which is when I moved from Massachusetts to New York and then gave up my Massachusetts cell phone number, which started with area code 774. And then years went by. And then one day I hear from you by means of which I can't remember email or phone. Uh, I can't remember. Maybe you do. But what you tell me is, hello, my name is Lauren and I have your old cell phone number. Like my old number was just randomly assigned to you. And what happened? People just kept texting you thinking they were trying to reach me? Yes, which now is crazy that you changed your number like years prior and people were still trying to reach you and they were really cool texts. And I'm like, they were like so fun that I was, I remember being at work and I'm like, guys, I got another random text and this person must have a really cool life because (laughs) people are wanting to get him for interviews. And I think there was one about like a car being dropped off. That sounds right. Yeah. And I was just like, they're like, oh, you know, your car's out front or whatever. And I was like, what is going on? So I finally asked one of them, I was like, I'm, I'm really sorry. And I don't mean to pry, but like, I keep getting these pretty cool text messages. And I'm really curious who this person is. And I actually think it was a friend of yours. I don't I don't remember the name now. But he was like, Oh, his name's Jace Pfeiffer. And uh, I googled you looked you up. And I found your email through I think it was through the entrepreneur website. Mm. And I was just like, I need to I need to get in contact with this person. <laughs> I need to figure this out. <laughs> 
Jason, listen, you're a lot of many amazing things. Like, I don't associate getting cool text with you right out of the gate. So this is, you know, definitely increasing your cred. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that the funny thing is, is that what you're describing are not what you or I would consider to be cool texts, because it sounds like there are a lot of texts from publicists, which <laughs> I generally am annoyed by. But uh, because like the car thing, like what's the car thing? The car thing is that before I owned a car, fun fact maybe this inspires someone to become a magazine editor, which is that when you're a magazine editor, you can just email publicists at car companies and just ask for a media loaner for the weekend. And so people would just drop off a car for me to use if I was going out of town with my family or something. And so that's what was happening. So they were they were outside with some rando car that I was going to use for the weekend. So Jason, what did you think when you got a message from a woman who had your old cell phone? Oh, I was so into it. I mean, you're like crazy person, <laughs> get alive. I know. I just really like random things happening in my life. I'm really into random things. You are a collector of random stories and adventures for sure. Yes. I will pursue paths because they just are funny or intriguing. It'd be the first time I ever, <laughs> the first, speaking of those cars, the first time, you know how I know that you can get media loaners? It's because one day when I was at Boston Magazine before I had moved to New York, I got an email one day from the publicist at Bentley, who was basically like, do you want a Bentley for the weekend? And of course the answer is yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> There's only one answer to that. There's question. only one answer. What am I going to do with this thing? Am I going to be afraid of driving it down the street? Yes, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so I, I just, anytime any random thing presents itself to me, my, I, my instinct is to leap at it. So when Lauren reached out to me, I, you know, I wanted to know what your deal was. I wanted to know who you are. Like we stayed in touch. And, and then you reached out to me somewhat recently because you started a business. Hooray. Thank you. Tell me about it. So I moved from, I'm in Central Mass now. And I had moved from Metro West. So it's like out towards Boston. And um, Boston has some really fantastic bagels. So I was spoiled for the 10 years I lived in in, in Metro West. And uh, then I come back home to Central Mass. And there, in my opinion, the, the bagels were just not what I was used to, not what I was looking for. They're very, very different. They're not New York style bagels. Nothing is. Yeah. So they're good, but they're just not what I was looking for. So um, around this time last year, actually, it was in June of 22. I went to my parents' house in the morning and I brought just a bunch of ingredients. And I was like, we're making bagels. My mom's like, what? I'm like, yeah, we're making bagels because I cannot find any that I love. So I'm doing it myself. And I'm just going to have my own bagels. Did you know how? No, no idea. I am not a baker. I am not a baker. I've actually always said I'm not a baker. I'm a buyer. So if you can find me some good quality baked goods, I will buy them. But I'm I don't know how to bake. I can do stuff out of a box. Sure. <laughs> but uh, so basically, I just experimented over the course of a, the last year, and I watched videos and I learned about dough rising and cold fermentation and all this stuff that I never thought would actually come out of my mouth at 40, close to 40 years old. And uh, I made my own. And the I just opened actually last month, the amount of repeat customers that I've had already. And it's like mind blowing to me that I'm actually selling a baked good that people want over and over again. It's incredible. Thank you. Here's what I didn't know until you came to Brooklyn. And I said, well, I have to take you to my favorite bagel place. And you told me this story of your life that I didn't know, but that 
when we connected, it was at a almost very pivotal moment in your life that when you told it to me, I just thought, well, first of all, Nicole needs to hear this, but also I think everyone needs to hear this because you went through a real realization about what's important to you. So take us into that. When you first reached out to me, you were at a reaching crisis moment of being stretched incredibly thin, but what led into that? How did you get into that situation to begin with? So when I graduated high school, after high school, instead of taking typical path off to college, I decided that I was going to take a couple years and work quite a long time ago, but I was about 18 years old, had my own apartment, had a good job. And uh, I thought, you know, I don't need to take that path just because everybody else is. So I'm going to keep climbing the corporate ladder and I'll do my life, life my way for a little bit and then maybe go to school after. So then life happens. Fast forward 10 years later and that college degree in my back pocket did not come. I had taken some core classes here and there, but I never actually, you know, had a degree. So fast forward again, this point, I'm probably close to close to 30. And although I had great work experience, I didn't have that higher education. I didn't have that degree. So I didn't have a career that I felt was my true calling. So internally, I guess I, I really didn't feel successful. Side note to that word success. I think it's pretty tricky. So in my head, 28 years old, 30 years old, pressure's on, you know, what am I doing? Who am I? What's my purpose? It was like a quarter life crisis kind of, kind of situation. And then um, I met my husband. I, I was thinking like, I want to share my life with this person. And what do I have to contribute? Like, what do I have to offer? Now, in hindsight, this was all me. You know, he fell in love with me for who I was at that time. There was not one person in my life that told me I needed to change. But, I, you know, I didn't need to match his income like I thought I did. I didn't need to be anybody else but myself. But I had this like nagging feeling that I needed to be more. Did you ever articulate that to him? I did, but it was more like an internal thing where I was just like, I need, I need to be more. I need to be better. You know, he, he's, he's a, a very like successful person. He's got his stuff together. And I was always kind of just like, oh, I'll do this. I'll do this. And, you know, I was, I was happy, but I never really like filled that or checked that box off that I felt everybody else did. Yeah. So at, I think it was like right around 30, I decided to go to school for something that was going to take me about five years to complete, not thinking I'm going to be 35 at this point when I actually graduate, but I had a husband, we had a mortgage and then a couple of years into it, we had a child. So I was in my degree program working full time. I was at a very large, well-known hospital in Boston um, in the oncology department. I was waitressing at nights, on the weekends. Um, I was at a very busy restaurant. And then in between that, I was studying till late at night. So I think on top of being tired and feeling like crap all the time, I had, I had the guilt of being a new mom who was missing out <clears throat> on like memories with my son. And I won't ramble more, but I was overworked, overstressed, tired. Uh, nothing was coming together. It literally seemed, and I explained this to someone else recently, but I don't know if you can, if you've been through this, but like, it seemed like time was simultaneously like flying by, but going so slow. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't reach my goals fast enough, but I didn't have 
like the time or the energy to, to get to them. Every day is a slog, yeah. but at the same time, you'd feel like you're losing time. Like time is constantly slipping through your fingers, even as it groans on. And what you're not seeing is the progress towards whatever thing it is that you're trying to get to. Right. And at that point, you didn't define what success meant to you. I assume you were just on a treadmill. Right. Yeah. I guess I didn't really know. I came to my realization in a, in a difficult way. Yeah. So tell us about that. One day uh, on, on a day off that I had, I was, I was taking my son to meet my dad just for a fun, fun day off. Uh, I was running to my car to grab something before I was going to pack him up and my legs just, they weren't working. (laughs) So uh, my left side went completely numb and I had to like Actually, I remember vividly like catching myself before stumbling in the parking lot of our of our complex. So I went back inside and I apolo- I, re- I went into the kitchen. We had a little tiny, tiny, tiny place at the time, but I went back in and I said, I'm I'm sorry, but I have to drive myself to the hospital. Something is not right. So you're gonna have to take Ben for the day. And I just like booked it into my car. Like I was okay to drive. It was my left side. But um, after like all day and night at the hospital, they did a bunch of tests and a a spinal tap and they realized that I have multiple sclerosis. Mm. Yeah. So for those that that don't know, I guess in short, MS is when my immune system attacks my central nervous system. So my immune system basically destroys the protective coating around my nerves that's called myelin. So your brain and your body just don't communicate properly with one another. So it can wreak just absolute havoc. And the last flare for me, that one, my left side dragged for quite a bit of time. Couldn't feel my scalp for months. Like it was so just a strange sensation. Vision problems, like slurred speech. And uh, I started believing that that was how it was always going to be. My life was going to be like drastically, obviously very, very different. Yeah. So it caused me to rethink the way that I was living. And how did you start to think about the way in which you were living aside from just falling into a total despair hole? Which I definitely did for too long. Um, (laughs) So uh, I think I started thinking in life, right from where when we're like tiny little human beings, everything is about reaching the next step, you know, getting to the next grade, passing this test, hitting that milestone. And that doesn't stop when you get older. So we always, obviously, we always want to do the work. I have everybody has to do the work to get to where they want to go. But I think what that experience made me realize, in a fantastic way, in a freeing way, is that personally, like my work, for me personally, my work was within myself. Something in me was telling me I had to be more. And I, I did all of that on my own. Again, I don't mean to be repetitive. But I know nobody nobody told me to change anything, but for some reason I thought that I had to. So what I promised myself, if something does not make me happy, if it doesn't bring me joy, there's no room for it. And I don't care if that's something very, very tiny, but then it's also big things like read things that don't bring me joy. I don't look at things that don't bring me joy. I just, if it's off, it's off. Well, it's the little things that turn into big things. And I find it so interesting too, that when your leg went out, you went back inside and apologized. Isn't that funny? I, yeah, 
You're right, right? No, exactly. But that's the thing. Like, why? Why am I apologizing for being human? And and I think that right now, I think honestly, if that happened again, I probably wouldn't apologize. I would be like, look, here's the deal. I need to take care of myself and you need to help me do that. Or I would like you to help me do that. So I'm going to, I'm going to go back and, you know, fix myself. So like I said, it was a, it was an actually, it was a freeing experience because it was almost like MS that came out that day and said to me, like, stop, cut it out. <laughs> like your life as you know, it can change in a heartbeat. So what are you chasing and, and at what cost, you know? So it's just kind of like, it just made me rethink, like, if something is not working, if, if you are literally at the end of your rope, what are you doing? Who are you proving it to? Cause you don't have to prove it to anybody but yourself. And all I want to do is be happy. So why am I doing it? You know? And you were doing things that weren't working, like all the studying, the multiple roles that you were juggling all at once. And it forced you to look at all of them. I mean, these are some of the, like the larger things that you then stepped back from because you're not doing a lot of those. You're not doing those things, right? And it was because when you interrogated them, you didn't know what they were for, right? They didn't serve a defined purpose. They were just what you felt you needed to do, but you couldn't really put a finger on why. Exactly. Yeah. Stick around. Help Wanted will be right back. Nicole, have you ever thought about the one that got away? Jason, I am happily in a relationship. You know that. No, the hire that got away. Someone that you thought was perfect for your team, but ah, they were already with another employer. Oh, well, in that case, yeah, I think about her all the time. Well, it's not too late. You can reach out to that person on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals that you can't find anywhere else, even people who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Okay, looks like it's time for me to shoot my shot. Do it. And I know you may have your heart set on one person, but if you do want to open it up and post a role to a bigger applicant pool, you can do it for free at linkedin.com slash help wanted. And because there are so many professionals on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. So you'll never have a one that got away again. Incredible. That's linkedin.com slash help wanted. Yep. LinkedIn.com slash help wanted. Terms and conditions apply. Happy hiring ever after. Welcome back to Help Wanted. Let's get to it. Well, it's really common to have a diagnosis, you know, stop you in your tracks. And, and there's very little that actually can do that in a meaningful way. It's when you realize that nothing else actually matters if you are not okay. Like you are your own business card, whether you're an entrepreneur, you're a mompreneur or any other variation of that. And it takes something really dramatic often. I mean, it actually happened to a lot of people during the pandemic. It happened to me personally. It was a mental health diagnosis. It made me rethink everything too. And, and so I think that your experience is something that a lot of women in particular feel. And it is 
really hard to put your oxygen mask on first before helping others, even though we've heard that a thousand times. Well, I have because uh, I've been on a plane a thousand times. <laughs> but uh, we know that that's what they say before takeoff. Like you can't be of service to anybody else if you're crashing and burning yourself. And it sounds like you were crashing and burning. So true. Yeah. And I don't think that I'm not saying like, don't do the work, don't work hard because I think we all, we all have to, I think you just, I personally had to stop doing the work the way that I was doing it. You know, I, I still have goals. I work full time. I love my job. Um, I want those promotions. I work, I work my butt off to, to get to where I want to be. I still have dreams that I'm going to hit. But I think the big problem was like the timeline that I set for myself. So I think that's where it, that's where you get like tunnel vision and the timeline. I don't think it's a healthy, healthy way to look at things. Reminds me of a tattoo that I have that says there will be time, which is the constant reminder that I have to give myself. So how did you change how you were working and what you were doing after that? I made a promise to myself and, and to the people that I love that were a bit worried that I was just going to take a step back. I ended up leaving that program and kind of reorganized my myself. And I learned how to meditate. And I went back to following my motivational people online and my books and my music. And I just kind of try to soak up every darn minute because you don't know. Like, and what do you really have to lose? I guess, right? I mean, who's rushing you? Who's rushing you to be, you know? <laughs> well, it's also this distinction between being selfish and selfless. And when I wrote a book on burnout, I did a study around this. And oftentimes women associate selfless with being a compliment and selfish as being a criticism. And the definition actually shows that being selfless is being having no concern with your own needs, desires, and pleasures. And being selfish is having concerns for your own needs and desires, which I think is a compliment. Of course, don't hurt other people. That's not cool. But it's it's around putting that oxygen mask on first because you can't be of service to others if you don't take care of those needs that it sounds like you either rediscovered or discovered for the first time those practices of meditation or whatever else you started incorporating into your life, as well as work and goals and being ambitious. I mean, that doesn't go away. It sounds like either. How are you feeling right now? I'm great. And I think a lot of it has to do with my mental health. For my personal story, you know, MS affects everybody differently. So I have what's called relapsing remittance. So it's kind of like comes in waves and goes. So like one day is okay. One day is not so okay. You know, some people have a progressive where it kind of, you know, it's, it, it all, it all changes for, for everybody. But um, right now I'm great. I'm in a fantastic headspace. And I think that's, that's really what I needed to kind of snap me out of it. I don't mean to keep talking about the universe here and try to sound all starry eyed, but I, I really think that everything, it just slapped me in the face. It was almost like it just shook me and was like, wake the F up. What are you doing? <laughs> so I needed that. Lauren, I, have become obsessed with this idea that I have that I now see all the time, which is to break things that are already broken because we often carry around and participate in things that are broken, but that we are not willing to acknowledge are broken. The thing that you were doing before the MS diagnosis was broken. 
but you didn't recognize it as broken and therefore you weren't going to take action to stop it because it didn't seem like you needed to. And there are things like that in all of our lives, whether they're relationships or our jobs or whatever that are, they're broken. Like they don't work, but because we haven't been forced out of them because there hasn't been some event to stop them, we just keep going. But if we were to break it ourselves, if we were to end it, then we could maybe recognize, oh, that that didn't work anyway. I'm not losing something because the thing that I'm losing didn't work for me to begin with. And I think of it as the difference between not drowning and swimming. And oftentimes we are stuck in this stage of not drowning. And that's where it sounds like you were. You weren't swimming. You were just treading water, not, not drowning. drowning. That's a great point. I, I think because I found out what was really important and I needed that, I would have just kept, like you said, swimming, drowning, losing my way all the time. And then I probably would have hit retirement and been like, oh my God, what did I waste my life on? And now I'm not going to think that way. Because even though I didn't get that thing that I wanted so badly in my back pocket, I now know exactly who I am. And I don't think I would have figured that out if I hadn't done this. Because, you know, and some mm. people have it figured out already. And I'm a little bit envious that they didn't have to, you know, do all that. But I I wasn't one of those people that always knew who I was. So I, I needed a little shakeup. So now I, I know, again, at close to 40... I know who I am and I know my worth and I, and I know that I can do anything. It's pretty cool. Can I tell you one of the scariest things anyone's ever told me, which is, it was a former colleague who I was chatting with about work and what we had done before. And he said that he'd gotten to this magazine and had planned on being there for a few years, learning some stuff and then moving on. And then he blinked and it had been 15 years. And that was just 15 years. It just like flew by. He did the exact same thing. He hadn't really spent time thinking about what he wanted to do or do next. And I remember hearing that and being terrified. <laughs> that is one of the scariest things I've ever heard is that if you're not intentional about how you spend your time, it will disappear right under your nose. And that's a bit of what I feel like I'm hearing from you is, is a, a recognition of the ability to capture and utilize time of having a moment that forced you to not let it fly by in a way that wasn't being used as intentionally as possible. And even though it took this and MS is scary and you can describe it a hell of a lot better than I can, it is, it is for you the event that has forced you to use your time very intentionally. And that is a thing it is certainly available to everyone, regardless of what the event is that forces them into it. But boy, we do not take enough advantage of that. I totally agree. Well, it reminds me of the other tattoo I have, which it sounds like I'm a tatted up lady. I, <laughs> I was just going to say, how many tattoos do you have? Yeah, now we're, we're getting a whole guide to your tattoos. <laughs> I just have a few, but they're tiny and hopefully dainty and, and meaningful and lovely. But, um, but it is a superwoman with a space in between, which is based on my book, Becoming Superwoman. And that space was intentional because oftentimes women feel like they need to be superwoman, the one word version of being all things to all people. So ultimately you're nothing to yourself. But that space became 
my lesson, what was really valuable to me, because that space allows for you, the woman. And it sounds like you didn't have that space before. Right. As I listened to you both, I realized, Lauren, my random connection with you in a way fits into my version of this thing that you're both describing. Because something that I think about is when I am, hopefully, an old man who doesn't have the energy to do the kinds of things that I do now, I don't want to look back and think about the things that I said no to. I would rather look back and think about the things that I said yes to. And that instinct now drives me to just really embrace anything that feels unique or interesting or out of the ordinary. I feel like I want to be a collector of experiences, which I think is the reason why I have programmed myself to when I hear from a random woman who has my cell phone number from Massachusetts to just say, yeah, who are you and how do we hang out and get bagels? That is the thing that to me has helped me navigate that complexity of life, which is that we all at some point are going to run out of time to say yes and no to things. So I think I want to say yes to as many things as possible, as fun and weird as they are. And look at the result, because here we are having this great conversation because we were willing to say yes to it. And I feel like I want to end with just, Lauren, hearing you be really excited about bagels because you have created this thing now in your life. You've built it yourself. And like you didn't know how to make bagels. And now people are buying your bagels. Tell us about your bagels. It's crazy. It's crazy. What's the name of the company? So the name of my company is Cloud9 Bagels. And they're boiled New York style bagels. I do the whole barley malt syrup and baking soda in the pot and they're just nice and fluffy but they have that crunch on the outside they're mm. they're so yummy and we eat so many of them and I'm so thankful for for all the people that have that have been just coming forward in every way and and wanting to try them and wanting to repeat trying them so it's just it's lovely it's awesome I'm I'm mind blown does it <laughs> make you feel like you're on Cloud nine. Oh, oh, I love that. I am on cloud nine every single day. This reminds me that self-care practices can be really whatever you want them to be. So they can be, you know, talking to a random person and just enjoying that conversation for the sake of enjoying the conversation. It can be, you know, making bagels. And and by the way, that is a meditative process. So it's like rethinking some of these things and making them your own. Like you don't have to go sit in a room and do like Om Shanti stuff. That never resonated with me. Taking random classes or things like felt meditative in nature. And so it sounds like that's like a self-care practice. So all I would say is like self-care doesn't need to be whatever, you know, you've read or heard of. It can be really whatever you want it to be. Bagels or random convos. That's so true. It is like meditation. Yeah, I put on my music. I just go to work. If anybody walks in the kitchen, I'm like that. Hold on. I'm trying to concentrate. I got this timer going. I got this timer going. I'm in my zone. <laughs> yeah, I knew I loved meditation, but I never thought that that was kind of a, it's the same thing. So I guess the takeaway here is self-care equals bagels. <laughs> Help Wanted is a production of Money News Network. Help Wanted is hosted by me, Jason Pfeiffer. And me, Nicole Lappin. 
Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. If you want some help, email our helpline at helpwanted at moneynewsnetwork.com for the chance to have some of your questions answered on the show. And follow us on Instagram at Money News and TikTok at Money News Network for exclusive content and to see our beautiful faces. Maybe a little dance? Oh, I didn't sign up for that. All right. Well, talk to you soon.